What's up, everybody? Welcome into your usual Sunday game day preview. It is myself, Jake Burns, with the OBR Film Breakdown. Brad Ward, also of the OBR with All Eyes on Cleveland. We do our usual crossover here. It's a jam-packed game day podcast for you because um, it's a brown Saturday, and it seems like nothing can uh, <laughs> nothing can be calm, cool, and collected on these Saturdays, whereas a couple weeks ago, we just randomly got an Amari Cooper added to the injury report with a groin, and then he ends up playing on the Monday night football game played pretty well but these like popped up late in the week things are are sort of becoming an early definition of the season brad you have yesterday's practice where deshaun watson barely throws it all talks to trainers is looking uncomfortable to me like just a lobbed pass that he didn't get very much behind you have kevin stefanski talking about him hopeful that he's going to play today they elevate josh johnson to the active roster in order to be that third quarterback active on game days there's a lot of little crumbs of evidence that he is um, there's uncertainty around him playing. Now tonight, Jordan Schultz has come out. Uh, I guess he's an, I guess he's an insider. I don't know what, what the connection here is with him and a, and a network. He's, he's got connections with agents, but he, he's saying that Watson is going to play. Deshaun himself said yesterday that he was going to play. So I'm trying to piece it together. It appears he's going to play Brad and it is, um, you know, it's very strange. There's people that want to believe that their Browns are playing this cat and mouse game around yeah. hiding him throwing to make the Ravens think DTR is playing. You know, DTR spent some time with the media. Media asked a lot of questions about him, too. I don't think anybody wants to do this. They want their quarterback to be healthy and to have no questions. So maybe, listen, maybe he plays and it looks fine and everything is fine. But I don't know how you can feel so confident. I think, you know, we put out our OBR predictions and I have Baltimore in it because anytime your starting quarterback is hurt, you lose the confidence that your team is going to win. Are there ways to win? Sure, but you lose that confidence. And it's like, I think if the other way around, people are like grumpy with me for not picking the Browns. If it was the other <laughs> way around and Lamar had a lingering shoulder injury late into the week, and imagine me not picking, you know, not not picking the Browns in that scenario, I like people would you know, you would expect it would be expected that the Browns were going to win because their quarterback is hurt. And the same thing's happening here. And I get it. You're all fans and you want me to pick your team. I, and, and I listen, I totally understand. But you have very little evidence that this guy's shoulder is actually comfortable and fine. And maybe he gets a toward all shot in the arm and he's good to go. I don't know here, Brad, but uh, it's still it's a sign of concern. If they didn't have any concern, they would not have elevated a quarterback. Right. There is some concern here. He could go and everything could be fine. But at the minimum, he doesn't feel 100 percent. There's a chance the arm is not where it needs to be for a guy who I think you could agree with me, Brad, is not anticipating at a great level yet. So that's a little nerve wracking if he's going to lack some of that, uh, you know, extra oomph on the football that I thought he actually was providing in recent games to make up for being maybe a beat behind. So. There's just that element to it, and maybe he plays and he's fine, like I said, and it works out. But you also have to think that some of the the quarterback run game stuff that they've done recently, which has been really helpful for them in some scenarios, is also out the window. For an yeah. offense looking to always create as many things as it can create, taking that element out of things, it does change. The, I'm I, I'm just saying, guys, even if he plays, it makes everything a little bit harder here. And I think we can all agree there have been large chunks of this season where the offense has not had things come easy to them. So that's where I'm at with it, Brad. They can clearly still win. We're going to talk about ways in which they can still win. But the Watson news is it's more meaningful than I think people want to admit because they want to wear their orange and brown glasses and go to the Muni lot and have a great time. And I'm with you. We all want the Browns to win. But this is a big deal, man. 
Yeah, you know, I was, you know, even when he didn't throw at the beginning of the week, I just thought it was odd, and I commented about it on my show, show, or I was on, actually, the OBR Weekly with Fred, and he was like, they just said he needed rest, and I'm like, don't you find that kind of strange? Like, that, I mean, when has that ever happened before with a quarterback, really? Not very often. And then the next day, right, I guess he practiced, but only through a couple times when the media was around. Mm-hmm. And then the one that makes me think it's it's really is an issue is the the blatant, you know, he can't throw it. He throws it two times and goes immediately to the trainers and then in. Like, that clearly, I don't think that the Browns would be going through that detailed of a cat and mouse uh, show uh, for the Ravens for that to happen, Jake, that just seems rather, uh, far-fetched. Um, I did yeah. hear, you know, they're calling it a contusion, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the one, you know, all the Twitter doctors out there, this guy actually was a doctor and I did hear him talking about it. And it was a little bit interesting that he said, you know, if it truly is just a contusion and there's no structural damage, he can't really hurt it anymore. It's just going to be painful. And that's why you would see him play because he probably yeah. does get a shot and tough it out because he can't hurt it anymore. So that again, what's the feel- impact, right? What's the impact of that? Yeah. And, there, and there's also alternate realities where maybe he was wearing some sort of um, tape on the shoulder when he was throwing those two warmups in practice and he was trying that out with the trainer. Can we put something on it that helps numb it? Yeah, we don't um, know, right? He, throws, yeah. he was wearing an arm sleeve. So there mm-hmm. could have been something more there. Like he, again, not trying to tinfoil hat it, but there are a lot of routes in which he throws a couple goes to talk to the trainer about either sure. he's wearing a brace on the shoulder, a pad on the shoulder. They've got some plan for how to handle it. Um, we don't know much of anything, but anytime quarterback shoulder injuries happen, you have to take them serious. And I think give them the proper respect that it deserves, especially when the team is taking roster based precautions to, to cover up for uh, any of these issues for him. So, I think, listen, end of the day, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see, and then we'll discuss it and pick it apart when we have new evidence. The new evidence will be the game today. We'll cover it there. But as far as feeling really confident, I felt really confident early in the week, Brad, that the roster's in better shape, the way the Ravens are dealing with injuries, and just in general, the way the Browns play, I thought could give the Ravens fits. But um, one side of the football, that remains very, very true. The other side, it does not. And with that, you know, you start to – you start to think about ways in which you win, which we're going to cover that in a little bit. It just it raises the eyebrow. And then the other piece of information that comes out yesterday and true, sorry, on Saturday here and true, again, speaking to this weird weekend stuff going on, like David Njoku is added questionable because of, of Burns, um, not my last yeah. name, like literal Burns. And yeah. apparently he was having a bonfire and something happened with the bonfire lighting where it, it ended up lighting him on fire in some capacity and all of a sudden he's hurt you know um was was dealt with like like burns on the face and arms he tweets out one of the true strange tweets that you will ever see uh i think it's something like the flesh is let's uh let's make sure we we get this one right for the show i'm i'm, I'm literally in the middle of searching because it was it was so ironic or strange when he tweeted it the, the flesh, flesh is weak see you tomorrow <laughs> hashtag dog pound I don't know, man. Maybe he's going to play, but I mean, if it's a serious burn, that's not, I mean, I, again, if he was like dealing with like third degree burns, he would not be playing. They'd be even no. hospitalized, but yeah, it seems like it's something enough to the Browns have to add him to the injury report. We'll see what that ultimately looks like, but it's like, 
can we just have a normal sort of weekend yeah. here of, right. of, of preparation for a game? And it doesn't feel like we can get that. And maybe we can get somebody else at the Njoku household to handle the uh, lighting of the fires from here on moving yeah. forward. Listen, hey, I my dad told me a story when I was a little kid, and it has stuck with me forever about a friend of his when he was little lighting a fire and with the wrong say if you do it with like the wrong kind of gasoline or what i don't know whatever but the fire can catch the stream and go back into the bottle and sometimes that is what happens like if you don't know what you're doing and i'm not saying that's what happened here but it has scared me to death ever since he told me that story about it you know the fire going back into the bottle and exploding on someone uh but you wonder Right, it makes you wonder. Anyway, it makes you wonder. It's not good. It's not great. He's gonna play. It seems like the flesh is weak. He said, "I, whatever. He's gonna play flesh probably, but weak. we'll see." A guy who hasn't been quite effective as you wanted it to be, right? Um, maybe that's the story of the game. He has a huge game. He lights it up, and then there's a bunch of like funny fire-based story Many. titles, right? Yeah. David and Joku lights himself on fire for the team in the Browns. Blah blah blah. Win. I I don't know, man. Hopefully, it, yeah. it ends up being a good story of of uh, something of that nature. And it, it's, it's good. Like you said, something serious could have happened there and you're, you're thankful it didn't. And, yeah. um, you know, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to dehumanize these guys. You know, it's, it's since he's okay, then you can kind of roll your eyes and be like, can we have a normal weekend? But as you know, and I'm sure a lot of people out there know that those things are very, very scary and, um, Hell yeah, can ultimately can ultimately be pretty, pretty dang dangerous. So, um, yeah, we're we're glad David's okay. Hopefully, he's okay enough to play football and still be good tomorrow because they will they will badly, badly need him, Brad, in that one. So um, yeah, yeah. And then and then Nick Chubb, Nick. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. So Nick yeah. had surgery, and um, not the news we wanted to hear. There was some optimism around going in and only doing one surgery. So they went in and um, hope hope to find some good news about the structural s situation of the knee. But I think, Brad, this is on the bad news realm, right? So the Browns put out an update that said uh, team physician James, I believe it's he pronounces it Vuz, V-O-O-S. Hopefully I get that right. Uh, performed the surgery University Hospitals yesterday, the Sports Medicine Institute, to repair the damage to his medial capsule meniscus and um, a medial collateral ligament, the MCL. So as expected, and then a second surgery is needed to repair the ACL in the coming months. They did not say that it was torn, but either the stretch, there's some damage of some variety that they need to surgically go in a second time after they get the swelling down from the first surgery. And their last sentence here is important. Nick would be able to, if the surgeries go well, uh, it would indicate that he would return to play at some point in 2024. Then Dr. David Chow, who's pro football doc who's been doing this stuff for a long time. He yeah. said medial capsule tear and, and multi-ligament knee injury is what happens with a knee dislocation. It was a knee dislocation. It was, if no. you watch it, like knees cannot bend like that. So yeah. it's hard for me to think that you could get a bunch of positive news out of a knee going in that direction. So that confirmation is a thing. He said stage surgery delays the timeline, but it does improve recovery. So the timeline might be a little, you know, pushed off, Maybe he's not back until late 2024, but the recovery can be good. And maybe you could see Nick be 90% of what he used to be, which is still really, really good, right? So yeah, uh, there's hope that he can come back when I think at times there was negativity. And I listen, I led the charge here around like, would he ever be comfortable playing again? Like the the injury was that gruesome. It was one of the more horrific TV moments um, that, we've, that we've seen. We didn't get a replay on live TV, but you eventually saw it and you, you heard that reaction from the Pittsburgh crowd. So you knew yes. that it was... 
extremely gnarly um, up there with some of the, the more nasty uh, seen on TV knee injuries uh, that you, you know, that have been out there. So anyway, long story short, not, not the super optimistic news we wanted to hear, but it does seem at least there's a, a nice path to Nick and I'm sure Nick will recover with the best of them because he'll just yeah. absolutely, absolutely crush the rehab. Uh, you feel okay about that, but at least it's fine. Good to have some closure on that a little bit, you know? Yeah. There, there was some hope that when they said that the ACE, they thought the ACL wasn't, you know, torn and maybe just stretched that uh, when they got it in there, that it would be okay. Uh, but it appears that that even the, even if it is just stretching or whatever, they're still going to have to repair it to some point because they're going back in again. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, like he said, the recovery is better because they get it accurately done and um, you know, breaking that into two helps out. I don't know. Trying to spin that positively. It's not yeah. uh, overall very good news at all, uh, obviously, but at least we know where things are going with Nick and the first surgery is done and successful and they'll, they'll I'm sure do a good job with the second one. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to, to Nick, right? Trying to recover and get through the second surgery and uh, the Browns will keep him an important part of everything they do. They already talk about him all the time and they should. He's, he's, the, yeah. he's the face of the franchise, which is uh, in a running back uh, um, sort of era where we push these running backs aside for him to be that is, is super cool and unique and um, special. So um, yeah, let's move on. Good stuff for Nick. Uh, hopefully he can recover and, and be a part of things next year. That would be really helpful. Uh, let's get to the normal stuff that we do here, Brad. So uh, li listen, game day weather looks great. Uh, as you noted, um, it seems like a pretty good weather weekend overall. Yeah. So the game day weather should be good and then and hit on who's covering the game if you can as well. Yeah. So uh, as you said, weather looks very good, mostly sunny, high near 73. Wind does not look bad at all, which is, uh, you know, kind of a one off for the Browns at home. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like a rather calm wind day. Uh, so all that stuff uh, is good. Um, and, uh, we've got CBS again, uh, for the second time this year, we'll have Ian Eagle, Charles Davis and Evan Washburn on the sideline. Uh, that's their second best crew, their B crew. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like them like Ian Eagle a lot. Um, and Charles Davis is, uh, he, he has his moments, but, uh, they are, it could be worse. Right. Um, feels like a bigger game with those guys, right? It's yes, not like it you does. said, it's not Nance and Romo, but it feels like a bigger game anytime you get some of those important voices. So, yeah, I, I like that crew a lot, and it'll certainly be, it's, I think, the second most important game of the weekend. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, Brad Allen refereeing the game as uh, I was uh, perusing here. Uh, the uh, I think he's the lead official for this one. So okay. if you have any, uh, have, throw a little extra tidbit on you there if you have any uh hate for brad allen and any calls he's made in the past if you're really into that then i'm sorry but he's calling the game on sunday <laughs> yeah we should probably do a little bit more officiating updating right that, that's something yeah. we should get into to, to track some of these guys over the time so pay attention to that brad allen's covering this one and then um sorry right, we have the coverage crew any gambling stuff we want to hit on before we uh, take a break yeah Let's do it, Let's do man. It. Uh, betting the Browns uh, segment here. Browns uh, minus two and a half. Now, this number has been all over the place because of the Watson news, right? But it is back at two and a half, which I find maybe kind of telling. Vegas, does Vegas know all? I don't know. Uh, but it was down to like one, one and a half at one point. So it's back to minus two and a half for uh, Browns, our favorites. Uh, it's an over under of 38 and a half. Um, and 
Uh, I've got some props here we like that uh, we we always go for. Listen, we've been hammering the running back when it was Chubb. It was Chubb. They've kept this number right around where it is, and I just think it's it's a layup, or it has been for us. I, I think we've hit on it every week so far. So yep. let's go back to the well with Ford uh, receiving yards over 13 and a half. Like that I one. like it. Yeah, me too. I definitely like that one. I, and you said the number for over-under was what again? Uh, 38 and a half. Man, I, I saw that at 40 and a half, and I liked it a little bit more. But boy, does that feel like an under to me. Mm-hmm. It, it really does feel like an under. Um, they, they're moving it down as wise. Uh, but yeah, anyway, keep going. I, I love the running back pass stuff that's been hitting like crazy. Uh, yeah. I imagine the quarterback run stuff were probably taken off the board. Um, yes. Yeah. So especially this week. Um, and, uh, unless it's DTR and then you got to look at, uh, at a whole new board, true. right? So you just stretch true. it. So, uh, but, uh, yeah. So miles Garrett here, um, going to the defense side of the ball, we went to Delpit last week and, and strangely he didn't get to the solo tackles. And that was one of the ones that held up our parlay, which was strange because he was still all over the place. But, um, miles Garrett over, 0.75 sacks. So he's got to get one full sack in this game. I, I'm taking that all day. Yeah, I think we should continue to take it. Most of the games this year, he'll have a sack. If we can, if we can get that number against, you know, Patrick McCarry, I mean, you got to yeah, feel pretty good seriously. about him finding his way to one sack. So yeah, if you can find a place taking that number, then then, then run there and, and put some cash on it. And there's two other things that stood out to me as uh, we as I went over the uh, board here. Uh, the menu. Uh, I like Elijah Moore over three and a half receptions. That number seems low after catching nine balls last week. Uh, it seems like he'll get some cheap ones if they continue to use him in the in the uh, short yardage gimmick game. So I like over three and a half receptions for Elijah. It's especially Brad when so many of those feel like schemed up at times, yes. and if they if they do have to play. Dorian, it's it's certainly going to be something they want to do for him. And a lot of those quick bubble throws or RPOs or motion-based things go that direction that you can get two or three cheapies off of that. And yep. then you're just looking for one or two that happen in the flow of the game. So, yeah, that three-and-a-half number is more than enticing for sure. Also, uh, more showing up on the uh, separation leadership uh chart this week at uh over four at like 4.3 yards i think he was eighth in the nfl in separation uh on that chart this week so that's something else to keep in mind when you're talking about receptions so um watch that a couple updates brad i want to give before we go to break um so kimberly martin on twitter who is an insider um is is a couple updates and obviously she's uh, a little bit of everywhere but yeah. Um, on the Browns side, she said Deshaun Watson shoulder contusion expected to play because he hasn't thrown all week. Stefanski and trainers will watch Watson throw in warmups before he's officially given the green light. So okay. PJ Walker up um, provides flexibility, but not um, doesn't mean Deshaun, Deshaun Watson won't go. And, um, you know, so there's still an element of he could be pulled right if they don't like yes. what they see when he warms up. So the other tweet that Kimberly had here was that David and Joku suffered burns on his face and hands. Brad, we didn't know about the hands. I'd, I'd read that it was arms, so hands is a bit of a concern. I mean, it depends on the degree at which the burn happened on the hands. Yeah. Uh, she say says that. that, 
Yeah, she it's says that he's critical. adamant uh, adamant that he's playing. The huge sentence here at the bottom, the team needs to first see if he can get his helmet on. Can't play without a helmet. Um, so if he had burns on his face, do they mess yeah. with his helmet? This is this is gross. It's tough. I, I don't I think that there's like a, ah, he'll play, but maybe not, right? There's two yeah. here that you know, between David and Deshaun, where we could see neither of these guys play. If Deshaun can't throw in warm-ups and David can't functionally catch a football or get his helmet on or whatever else, right? I mean, the bye week will help after this game, but <laughs> there's certainly a chance they're fighting a real uphill battle to uh to get to this game, Brad. I mean, get through the it. Trainers. Win, so. Trainers will be busy uh tomorrow. They Safe have a hell of a job in front of it. They sure do. We'll see. Those are two huge names that you better be checking your phone uh, ahead of this game to see. I know the OBR will write up and update everything we see, but yeah, that's uh that's really those are two huge players for them, um, needless to say. So that's uh, keep your eye on that. All right, Brad, three keys. Uh, I like to like uh, you crushed the first part of it. So I like to kind of go off of yours and talk around some things that you do. So let's have you lead off. All right, let's start with this. So this is a big one for me. And I, I wrote about it uh, today uh, on, you know, uh, critical matchup, how the Browns can uh, stop Lamar Jackson. But listen, this defense is been historical so far right through through it's small sample size but they, they're on a, a historical pace uh they have to stay aggressive and in the past when you talk about stopping lamar jackson it's very much like you don't want to over pursue you very much kind of uh try to pull back a little bit and contain him and hem him in right and even schwartz went out of his way this week to say we're not going to try to hem him in. We're not. What I say, forget what he said. Shooing the chickens is what he said. We're not. We're not going to be shooing the chickens. We're going to take the fight to him. So I love to hear that from him. But that sounds to me like uh, they're not going to change who they are, and they would like to dictate to Lamar. So I still expect him to be aggressive. Uh, of course, it's important to stay in your rush lanes and all that, but uh, go after him the same way you would. Uh, another any other quarterback or try to create pressure. And I would say that uh, the Colts uh, blitz went from one uh, uh, blitz on 11 dropbacks in the first half last year to or last week uh, to 50% of the time, over 50% of the time blitzing uh, Lamar in the second half, bringing five six man blitzes and had some success, some, some really good success with it uh, and actually got out of there with a win. So, um, I would say that, uh, staying aggressive and being who they are, uh, as far as disrupting up the field is, uh, something that they should continue and not take that kind of slow down, contain Lamar in the pocket approach. Well, what I, I would agree with that. I think that the interesting element of all of this will be the Browns intrigue, interest, how much they want to play man to man, right? Because, mm -hmm. You know, a thing that's interesting is teams that have that have played the Ravens, uh, their man coverage rate has gone down when they play them. You know, you would say, why? Well, it is you're turning your back to a fast quarterback who could break contain, right? Zone coverage, while you are zone matching and you're, you're feeling out route concepts and you're not always eyes on the quarterback every second, you do have the ability to see him pop out of the, the pocket and, and try to make plays with his feet and have a chance. But if your back is turned, chasing somebody in man coverage, it puts you in a bit of a bind, uh, more than a bit, a lot of a bind. You don't really usually yeah. have any quarterback contained structure stuff here. So I will be very intrigued to see if the Browns 
continue to be aggressive, which they've talked about. That could be Jim Schwartz playing the media game, right? Putting that out there just to, just to yank it away when game time hits. But to your point, and I think the general point here, most teams that have been aggressive with Lamar have found more success than sitting back and letting him pick you apart, right? I think Joe Woods did some of that at times, and it had mm-hmm. varying levels of success. Obviously, their offense is so much different with Todd Monken compared to Greg Roman, where they uh, you know, brought those those heavier packages on the field, led the NFL in 13 personnel, would get, get really weird at times. So it was hard to blitz them, is what I'm saying. It's a little yeah. different now playing a more traditional brand of ball, NFL ball, that is, to where you can you know, do some different blitz, more traditional blitz package stuff. And maybe they do get after him, but the, the man coverage rate will be something I'll be quickly checking once the data's in to see how comfortable they were running man coverage against Baltimore because teams have not been as comfortable, but I do think there are levels of success of getting after him aggressively. And what I wrote is off of that, Brad, that they have to dominate up front in both phases. Like, yeah, the, the defensive line needs to be as as good as they've ever been or better. Now, they've been really good, as we know. They need to play a lights-out game. And, you know, uh, you know, for me, you you watch some of these teams that, that have a culture of winning, right? And there's I don't need to name the teams, but I think we sat and watched week two where, and, and I've talked about this with Andrew a couple times this week, Pittsburgh has this way of, they had no business winning that game, but winning it because they did something. I think this this front needs to create turnovers in this game, and they have to keep Lamar bottled in. We can't look back at this game tomorrow evening and see like they missed four or five sack opportunities on him. They yeah. just missed getting their hand on a football. They have to make those plays. They have to sack him, confuse him, and rattle him and just be dominant up there. Now, I'm not asking them to come up with 14 points off of turnovers directly the way Pittsburgh did against the Browns week two, but I do think this defensive line to win this game needs to make some sort of huge play, some sort of taking it away deep in Ravens territory, something like that, that that gets the Browns some easy points. And on the other side of the football, Brad, if you're dealing with a quarterback with a lame shoulder, if you're potentially playing a rookie in in DTR, you better be able to run with some efficiency. They better protect well. And and again, the Ravens are missing Odafe away and they're missing David Ajabo. So you better protect well because they're missing two very talented edge rushers and you better find a way to run it in a way that they have not been able to truly run it since Nick left. Obviously, Jerome had that long popped off sort of fluky cutback against the Steelers for 69 yards. Uh, But if you take that out, he had 15 for 37 in the last game. You know, in that in that game, I don't like when you say like eliminate the good because that's kind of stupid. But I do think it's a if it's a fluky run like that, that's not designed to go that way. It's okay to do that. You take yeah. that out. Fifteen runs, thirty-seven yards, not efficient. Last week, I I understand Tennessee as one of the more difficult fronts in NFL history, really recently to run on, but they have not been run game efficient yet. So if there was yeah. a game to get that in order, we've seen this the data that is coming from three different sources about the run game efficiency the run blocking efficiency being down this year, they need to get that in order right here because if you can create you know, sustainable run game to help alleviate the throwing from your quarterbacks, then you have a better chance to put some points on the board in this one. So it has to be a game we look back on and say, look, man, they ran for 150, 180, 200, whatever, found a way to do that. And then on defense, the defensive line was making everything difficult all the time. And they came up with five sacks, right? They created a forced fumble and recovered it. That's what you need to win this one, in my opinion. 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I would 100% agree um, uh, that uh, you need the best and you need, you can't, you know, to your point, uh, you have to make those kind of plays, those kind of winning plays, right? Um, so great point. Uh, I'm going to go to what my second one here was, which was tackle well. And you made the great point when I said this of, yeah, they've been one of the best teams in the NFL tackling so far. And I, I completely agree. I wanted to, I'll even go a little bit further with this while we're talking about this, but like, I think this is like a, this has to be a JOK game, right? Like part of the reason that you brought JOK in, it felt like at the time was for matchups like this, right? Like mm -hmm. his speed, his athleticism, and going back again to one of the things that the Colts did a little bit is when they did blitz, uh, a lot of times they used like a contain blitzer or a spy uh, that yep. would blitz after after waiting to watch what lanes opened up, right? And then going. So, you know, maybe... Which is good because yeah. if Watson... Or sorry, if, 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 you know, Lamar makes his declaration, pocket happens, and he sees a, a way to escape to the right then you react off of that escape before he can get to full speed. Yes. That's a great point, Brad. That That is different, and that is, should be the goal. If you sit back and wait for him to get in open space, you're DOA, man. Like, he is yep. going to make you miss. So, yep. yeah, that, that like, you're not in the line of scrimmage, but you're, like, you step up and you're two yards away from it and you let him declare. Yeah, that's, that's the better way to go. Yeah, so um, that kind of... Uh role for jok seems like one that would be very fitting here let him let him shoot you know shoot the gaps that that appear and, and read off of what lamar sees agreed i like that i like it and um you know better tackle well right like you say yeah um, wrap up better better tackle which they've done this year my second one's to beat man coverage okay so they um in third down situations had a really nice week last week of drawing flags, which again, flags are flags. If you're holding things like that, right? You're those are, those are cheating penalties. You got, you, you get them right. And I don't think anything that, that, that was called last week against Amari was blatantly, um, you know, was blatantly bad or anything. I thought that they no. were right. You, you could see those, some of those not being called, but I think that they were still fair calls. My point is the Browns, the Ravens run as much man coverage as the Browns. Now you would, you would think that's not true, right? I, even it's kind of weird. I, I had a guest on this week who talked about, they play a ton of cover two. And I'm like looking at the data in the film. I'm like, I don't see any cover two. I, I love yeah. Ken. It's a great guest, but yeah. I, I don't really, there's no cover two. They're playing a bunch of man. They're playing cover yeah. three and they're playing man. They play a little bit of quarters and they'll play some, some, uh, some cover six here and there, which is a variation of cover two quarter, quarter half. But like, not that much. They're basically a cover one and they're in a cover three team. So if they're playing a bunch of man, the Browns have struggled in, in third down man situations where they're not doing enough motion pre-snap to create um, leverage to get out on routes untouched. They're just getting magnetized where their guys can't shake their man off the line of scrimmage. Amari has some 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 success with that. And I think if you put Elijah enough into situations like that, he'll also have some success too. But they have to do some bunch releases where they they switch up um, the the point of, of which a guy comes off the line of scrimmage to create some natural rub routes. They need yeah. to run some, uh, like I said, wide to narrow motion or like hell, like Miami's running that narrow to wide motion. They need yeah. to do those things because it makes it easier for your guys to get releases and it makes your quarterback have some more time to make a throw. And 
this this stuff on third down when it gets tight coverage they have to win in this game because even though Baltimore's missing Marlon Humphrey they're still playing their guys in the same their their DNA is unchanged from what they've been like the the defensive coordinator that took over for Wink Martindale is not as like cover zero throw caution to the wind yeah. crazy blitz stuff but he still does a lot of that so I mean Kyle Hamilton had three sacks from the nickel alignment like people were calling him a safety like he wasn't a safety he's a nickel right now which again yeah. is is fine so that is a point at which they're bringing creative blitzes and they're playing man tied to it so you better have a way of finding some answers for your quarterback quickly because they're going to try to manipulate coverage sorry protection where they have it overloaded to one side they release some of those guys bring an overload on the other side have a free runner at the quarterback etc cetera, etc cetera. they're going to do that stuff how do the browns navigate those five, six, seven times in a game it's going to happen will be really important. So I would like them to have a more unique third down situation here, um, package of plays. If you're like, they're going to have tendencies. The Ravens like to run man coverage on third and, you know, third and inches to six, right? They love to run man coverage. So do we have seven or eight plays in our book that we worked on this week for those specific situations? That's yeah. what I would really like to see them handle. I think if we look at that and Deshaun is like a five for seven for 75 yards after the game, that that will tell you a story about picking up those first downs that they need and beating a thing where I think uh, Baltimore has been been taking advantage of some offenses in, in those certain situations, right? Yeah. The, you know, like you said, the motion and, and stuff to just to get guys free releases would seem to be uh, something that would make a big difference there, right? Uh, and especially in the situations you're talking about, third and fives, third and sixes, right? So it would be something very interesting to watch. And as you said, the, the final result will be super telling about how uh, prepared they were for that, right? Mm -hmm. So yep, good I stuff. Uh, last one. Final one, complimentary football. Again, it's a repeat of last week, but listen, this defense uh, it gives you a chance to win even if – Deshaun isn't 100% or it's DTR. They bring a, a level to the table at least through three weeks and that we have, I have a belief that they will bring a level of play to the table that will give you a chance to be in the game. So as a coach, as your special teams, all the little things count, right? So you field position. You know, get, making smart decisions on third and long. You know, don't turn it over. Don't get cute in your own end, in the shadow of your own end zone, right? Be okay with punting it and trusting your defense sometimes. Um, so that's what I'm going to say is play complimentary football. Um, and maybe you have to let your defense win you this game. The complimentary football stuff is, is huge. Now, we know that last week was the first time I felt in a while that they did that right. Even last year, time between last year too, like they put that together and you, you know, when the game's over late third quarter and the fourth quarter is largely just a, it's just a, a, a part of the process to go through to get to your win. That's great. I'm not expecting that. I don't think either of us are, right. but I had put like off of that Brad to win on the margins. And here's what, here's what I mean by that. So I kind of throw out last year's win in Cleveland 13 to three, because that was Tyler Huntley. And that's just not who, um, is going to be driving the bus for Baltimore a lot, a lot of the a lot of the time, even though he's had relative success for backup. It's not Lamar. We can all agree about that. These games have always been tight. Since Stefanski arrived, the only blowout Brad is a thirty-eight to six loss on the home in the in the opener of Kevin's tenure. It was at Baltimore to start the twenty twenty season, thirty-eight six. After that, 
they played a really close one in Cleveland, 47-42, where it was a real shootout. Like the Browns went for 355 yards passing in that one, right? Like a, a lot of yards. So uh, the Ravens obviously matched it. They played that was the Lamar run to the poop, you know, take a poop game and came back out yep. and, and, and ended up winning them the game late. But my my point is um, most of these games are low scoring from 21 on, right? So the, the 21 scores, this is when they had the bye week in between the two. So Baltimore at Baltimore, 16, 10 loss. They come home after the bye week and beat them 24, 22 and two in 2022, just last year, they had um, the road game was a 23, 20 final. And the, and the home game was like I said, 13, three. I think that they, they're going to be like, like five plays that swing this game. And what happened last year, if we recall at Baltimore, they were up 10, three. Okay. So they're up 10, three and they're punting from down near their own, um, I think they're at like the three yard line. This is like early second quarter. So they punt it. Baltimore returns that punt. Um, I think they ended up returning it 46 yards, Brad. So they were, we return that punt 46 yards. And with that 46 yard punt return, that gives them a really great chance to score. They're at the Cleveland 21 yard line. They don't score ultimately a touchdown, but they kick a field goal, but that's three points given up just off of a 46 yard return. Because if you had punted and gotten a fair catch or covered it well, I think the punt, if I recall, was a really low line drive. Mm-hmm. Um, that, then, then that puts you at a chance if you stopped them on three straight plays, which they did a three and out that it would have been a punt back to you. But in this yeah. case, they take over at the 21, that's three points. So that happens. Browns get it back right? They end up actually completing a few balls, but get a penalty call, but they punt it back to Baltimore who ends up taking it down and scoring to go up 13, 10 right before intermission. So it's 10, three, all of a sudden then 10, six, boom, get a penalty, punt it 13, 10 Baltimore before intermission. The Browns have a chance to, they're actually out to the 50 yard line um, or right out near the 50 yard line, but end up having a, I think a sack Jacoby doesn't get a throw off in time. They take a sack, and then they end up having to uh, punt it away right before. Yeah, they're out at the 50-yard line. Actually got it over to the Baltimore 46 before they had to punt. That ends the half, right? Should have been potentially a 10-3 to first half score, 10-6, but it's 13-10 Baltimore. At minimum, 10-10, right? So they gave away three points. Come back yeah. out in the second half. Browns go three and out. They, um, you know, give the, sorry, Baltimore takes the football. They punt it back to the Browns, right? So it's 13-10 still. They punt it back to the Browns on that very, First possession for the Browns of second half on offense. They take a sack, throw an incomplete pass, and take another sack that is a fumble. Uh, Calais Campbell gets his hand on the ball from Jacoby Brissett. Odafeoye recovers it. Baltimore goes down and scores on eight plays. They took over at just the Cleveland 24, took eight plays, couldn't mm-hmm. stop him on a fourth and one at the goal line, and then it's 20 to 10. Long story short, the game goes on, and the Browns lose 23 to 20. You think that that punt returned for three points because they couldn't cover a punt. It's 46 yard return. It turns into three points when it could have been a three and out punt or that fumble down at their own 20 yard line that results in an eight play 25 yard. I mean, it's not like Baltimore didn't have to work for that. You go eight plays in 25 yards. You're punting it. If you just punt it away instead of taking a strip sack. So my point is these games with Baltimore swing on, on these very narrow uh, setting of plays. And if you make them, you win. If you're on the other side of them, talk about again about what the game the Browns have lost this year. They they lost because they gave Pittsburgh directly 14 points. So they yeah. have to make those winning plays, win on the margins, do well in special teams. Don't let that be a net negative, right? Um, and 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 take care of business. Every possession ends in a punt, right? You got to make those plays. Are you going to make the two or three a game that win it, or are you going to be a part of the two or three that lose it? 
right? So that's just, that's the huge key for me. It's, it's not anything scientific or calculated, but you just have to do those things. You can't give away 13 points in a game that we don't think teams are going to be scoring a ton of points anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can almost draw a parallel, Jake, to like what you're saying to like, okay, um, I was critical of, and a lot of people were of the decision uh, Kevin made against the Steelers to, you know, drop back in the shadow of his own end zone with Wills in a one-on-one. He, he doesn't get touched in the strip sack in the, in the Steelers game, right? Like there's a lot of other things you could have done there that were safer, right? Um, to get the ball to fourth down and punt it because your defense was playing so well and they were struggling to move the ball, as were you. Uh, you can draw a parallel to, from that to that Ravens game, that exact play you're talking or that series you're talking about after they get the three and out. And you talk about, you know, incompletion, sack, and, and then strip sack, like, you know, third and long there in your own end, you know, in a close game like that, maybe you're not dropping back to try to chuck it down the field. Maybe you're running a screen or a draw or something and getting out of there with a punt uh, because your defense is stronger. Uh, and that's kind of like complimentary football. And I, I think that maybe you can draw a parallel between those two situations and the mistakes that were made there. Yeah, man, I'm with you. It is, it's going to be tight. I, I think more than anything, Brad, this is going to be a tight game. And I don't think that it's going to be a 38, six or even a 13. I think it's going to be a, th- I, I predicted 16, 13 is the final, um, yeah. which puts it at a, I think that'd be under, yeah, that'd be under. Cause right. That, 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 that uh, ultimately covers like 38 and a half. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be low scoring. I I don't, I think it's going to be one on a couple swing plays here or there. Both offenses are going to struggle. It's going to be a lot of punting, get those stretches, stretch those legs for those guys. It's going to be mm-hmm. a field position thing. And, um, you know, it could be wrong. It could be a game that lights up the scoreboard, but I don't really think either offense deserves a bunch of, you know, when you're missing, wide receivers the way Baltimore is they're missing an important tackle their running backs are beat up they've lost their best running back the Browns are dealing with a quarterback with a potentially bum shoulder here it just is a recipe for um it being low scoring so we'll see if that is what comes to fruition anything on the way out the door Brad I mean this is a long one but god there was a lot to a lot to cover before we even got to the pregame stuff because of the Saturday news and and yeah. uh, Nick's surgery and all of that too. So I hopefully we covered that for everybody in a way that they enjoyed it. But but um, you know thanks for swinging by and, and the floor is yours for anything on the way out the door. No man, uh, I agree with you. It, it, you know it smells reeks of a uh, AFC North you know rock fight type of a uh, a game and uh, with yeah. uh, especially with the situations that uh, you know unsure about what Watson is going to be and, and things like that. So um, every play will be critical to your point. It'll swing on a, on a couple and, and uh, they don't know which ones those are going to be. So you gotta, uh, gotta be uh, true to uh, what they've uh, found success with here and stick with it. And uh, you know, I think, I think they can win. Um, I picked them to win uh 23 13 uh because i believe i i just uh i think this defense finds a way to your point they will have to do something special though a little bit probably. yeah they're going to the right the, the the plays can't come to them they got to take the play to 
you know, they got to make the play, right? And it's not just going to, yep. not just going to happen for them. They can't go into it that way. And it sounds like they're not going to go into it that way. So, uh, like you said, rock fight, and hopefully the Browns bring more rocks than the Ravens do. That would be a great outcome. So listen, we've covered enough. That's it for me. That's it for Brad. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. Hopefully this was relatively entertaining. I, I, I think it's funny. I don't think Browns fans want negativity until they lose. Then you want all the negativity, um, in the world. <laughs> right. Um, I, I know you guys like to be positive, but like, Sometimes our job is not to be fans. Our job is to analyze and predict and give you calculated, measured takes. And sometimes that's not going to align with the, the most positive vibes in the world. And I hope we can come to an agreement of the balance of all that um, is what makes this show unique and fun and all of that. So uh, anyway, for myself or Brad, we thank you for being here. Review both pods if you can. That helps us get found. Always say the same thing on that. And I think it's been really good for the shows you guys helping us out making a nice little community here and we appreciate you a ton for that so swing by the obr for all your coverage pre-game post-game we'll have a show at 7 30 as we always do sunday rewind and all your um, information on inactives and actives and all that stuff will be available in the pre-game as well and then the forums are always popping for the um during the game portion if you want to have conversations and put some opinions out there and be heard i think it's a great community for that so stop by the obr and uh you won't regret it thanks for being here have a great sunday and go browns